morning, everybody. Um, I hope everyone is well. My name is Alex. I'm a, I'm a member here at Christfest. And as a church, we've spent the last uh, couple of months uh, looking at the characteristics of God, looking at God's character, uh, what he is like, uh, seeking to increase our knowledge of, of him, uh, but our affections for God would increase, that we would grow in adoration and praise, uh, motivating us uh, to live holy and obedient lives that glorify him. And we're going to uh, continue in that pursuit this morning, uh, where we'll be looking at God's uh, mercy and grace. Now, to, uh, to help us understand uh, what we're going to be uh, looking at this morning, uh, I want to start by uh, telling you about a very distinct uh, memory I have, uh, and that is actually when I, when I first uh, had to wear glasses. See, I must have been uh, 16 or 17 at the time, and, and after visiting the opticians, um, I remember receiving my first pair of glasses. Um, I came home and I, I put them on for the first time uh, at home. And I remember looking outside into, into my parents' garden. And I was shocked about how clear uh, I could see the trees. Uh, about, I was shocked about the definition I could see on even the grass. You see, I'd, I probably stood in that same place looking out into that garden for uh, almost every single day of my life for the past 12 years. And yet, now that I was wearing these glasses, I was seeing uh, that picture with um, so much more clarity and definition. Um, I remember being genuinely baffled um, to think about how poor my vision had become uh, without wearing glasses and how good my vision was now that I was wearing glasses. You see, over, over a period of several years, and day by day, my vision had been becoming progressively and progressively worse. So actually, I didn't even know that my vision was that bad until I put my glasses on. Now, uh, turning back to mercy and grace, you see, uh, whether you've been a Christian for many years, or perhaps just even a couple of days or a couple of weeks, um, I'm sure you're very familiar with these terms, mercy and grace. You know, our, our songs are, are saturated with those terms. Uh, we regularly re reference them in, uh, in our prayers when we talk to each other, um, and barely a sermon is preached where um, mercy and grace are not referenced. And so whilst we as Christians, are, I'm sure, are very familiar with mercy and grace, I, I suspect that many of us may have grown suddenly numb to the glorious realities uh, which God's uh, mercy and grace point to. Uh, perhaps we've become so well accustomed uh, to the terms mercy and grace that we've perhaps uh, forgotten uh, how amazing they are and what they truly mean for us. Uh, perhaps grace and grace uh, simply be, have become merged along with other characteristics that we attribute to God, like his love or his forgiveness. So just as um, with my glasses, I wasn't aware that actually my vision had become impaired over a period of years. So likewise, perhaps we can grow dim to the glorious realities of God's grace and mercy. Uh, and so this morning, I want us, in a sense, to visit uh, a spiritual um, optician, um, if you were, uh, so that uh, with God's help, our vision can be uh, corrected and we can again look at grace and mercy with fresh wonder and praise. Uh, and so if you know that there are times where you struggle to truly cherish uh, God's mercy and grace, or perhaps you're in a season where these things have become dull uh, to you, 
then it is, is as likely as possible that you have forgotten or misunderstood uh, some essential truths about the basic relationship between a person and God. Uh, and so before we can uh, understand mercy and grace, we, we have to lay some solid foundations. And I'm going to refer to these foundations as, as pillars, uh, because without a clear understanding of these pillars, we can't truly um, have a, a true understanding of God's mercy and grace. So let's look at these uh, four pillars. Uh, the first pillar I'm going to uh, look at is justice. And this was spoken about by Aaron last week. And the idea is that uh, God is a perfect judge and he is a judge of all the earth. And because uh, God is unchanging and must be true to himself, this means that he must judge and therefore punish all wrongdoing and all sin. So that's the first pillar. Uh, the second pillar to understand is that all have sinned. We are all rebels against God's rule and are guilty under God's justice. Uh, consider for a second that uh, the first verse of that beautiful hymn we sang, um, Amazing Grace. I won't, I won't sing it for you, thankfully, but uh, it goes, um, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I love that hymn, it's what a beautiful hymn. Uh, but I wonder how many times you've sang that song and, and sang that line. And yet, have you considered what it says? It, it says, a wretch like me. I wonder if this morning you would describe yourself as a wretch, uh, meaning, you know, despicable or contemptible. Uh, you see, we like to think of ourselves, don't we, as, as decent people. But, and we like to think about our talents or perhaps our wealth, uh, our moral character. They redeem us from the bad things that we can do. But uh, that's not the reality. And it's, it's indeed, it's not what the Bible teaches. Instead, the Bible teaches that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. That's the second pillar. And that links very closely into the third pillar, which is that uh, we are completely unable to repair our broken relationship with God. We are helpless to. Um, you see, if God is the judge and we are guilty because we have sinned, then in a sense, there's no amount of of money or no amount of effort that we can put into like a legal defence that could clear our name. Or, or to put it in another way, we cannot, we cannot earn back favour uh, with God. Uh, there's no amount of uh, religious activity. We can't um, earn back favour through service to the church or giving your money away or through helping the poor. No, nothing that we can do uh, can earn back um, or mend that relationship with God or can clear our name. We are helpless. And, and the fourth pillar is what I call the, uh, the sovereign freedom of God. And, and it's the idea that God uh, does not actually need anything from us. I see, I think somewhere in our minds, we can, we can believe that actually it's in God's own interest uh, to save us or that it's, it's actually his duty that as God, he has to save us. But, Again, that's not the case. Instead, uh, God is sovereign and he is completely free to do as he pleases. He is only obligated to carry out justice. Um, Acts 17 uh, verse 25 says this. It says, and God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath 
and everything else. And so it's clear that God doesn't need anything from us and, and we can't negotiate with him. Uh, now, unfortunately, this morning we haven't got time to really delve into these, um, these four pillars that I've called them in more detail. However, if you find yourself uh, disagreeing with any of them or, or perhaps if you're a non-Christian uh, joining us this morning, uh, and if you are, thank you for joining us. We're really glad you, you are here. But if you are a non-Christian and these ideas are completely foreign to you, then please do reach out to uh, the church, uh, drop us a message or an email as we, we'd love to talk through some of these things. Um, with you in more detail. Uh, but uh, having established uh, these four pillars, I hope you can see, and I'm, I'm sure you can see, the true hopelessness uh, of man's position before God. The picture is pretty uh, bleak, uh, but it is into this setting that God extends mercy and grace. You see, we, we first need to understand the true depths of man's state. Indeed, the, the darkness we find ourselves in, apart from God, so that when we then look to God's mercy and grace, we can truly see the, the heights to which we have been lifted to and the glorious light that God has shone upon us. Uh, and so then the question arises, how, how does God extend mercy and grace to us? Um, and, and another question is, how can God be merciful to guilty humans whilst remaining just. You see, if God uh, were simply to forgive a sinful man, then he would no longer be just. Um, I wonder if you're, you're following with that logic. Uh, and so in, in order for God to extend mercy towards sinful humans, God must exact justice in some other way. And this, of course, was achieved through through Jesus Christ. And there's a, uh, there's a wonderful picture of how uh, this works and it's given in the Gospels. We're going to read a passage from the Gospel of Mark uh, and, we, and we pick up the narrative shortly before Jesus is crucified. Uh, see, Jesus has already been betrayed and arrested and he's brought to trial and that's where we pick up uh, the story. So reading from Mark chapter 15, starting from verse 6. <clears throat> it says, Now at the feast, uh, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do what do do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, And what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has this man, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Uh, you see, 
What we see here is that Barabbas, a man guilty of murder, is freed. And instead, Jesus, the sinless son of God, is delivered to be crucified. And whilst this, this was a true event, it also serves as a picture for what happens uh, when any of us puts our faith in Jesus. So in a sense, each one of us is Barabbas. We are guilty. And I tell you the truth, uh, the justice that we deserve is instead poured out on Jesus and we can be declared free. Praise be to God. This is God's mercy and grace in action. Uh, Jen Wilkin uh, puts it this way in her book, uh, in his image is the name of the book. She says, this is why it makes sense that God is both faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Because Christ received justice at the cross, we receive mercy. Having executed justice on Christ in our stead, God would be unjust to now withhold from us forgiveness for our sin. You see, through Jesus, our judge has now become our saviour. Praise be to God, this is grace. Um, Paul explained this, explains this sorry, so beautifully in Romans chapter 3, uh, starting from verse 23. Paul says, uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Uh, we see that all have sinned, but that we are justified, meaning are made legally uh, innocent or cleared of, of wrong through Jesus's blood, his death. And we see that in doing so, God remains just, as it says in verse 26. Uh, we also see grace referenced in 24. Um, it says we are justified by his grace as a gift. Uh, and that's a really key characteristic of grace, that it's, it's a free gift given to us by God. And so if we if we look back to those four pillars that I referenced before, we can see the glory of God's grace at work. God's justice is upheld as he pours his justice instead on Jesus. Uh, we as guilty sinners are declared righteous and we are brought back into relationship with our loving father. And this is all given to us freely by God. This is grace. Uh, J.I. Packer uh, provides us with a definition of grace in, in his book, Knowing God. He says, uh, the grace of God is love freely shown towards guilty sinners, contrary to their merit. I'll say that again. Uh, the grace of God is love freely shown towards guilty sinners, contrary to their merit. Uh, another def definition of grace is unmerited favour. The idea that we uh, are given favour by God, but we, we haven't earned it in any way. Uh, and the Bible is filled with passages uh, about God's grace to man uh, through Jesus. Let's look at a couple uh, together now. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verse 4 says, uh, But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Uh, and Titus, uh, chapter three, starting from verse four. Uh, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our saviour appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. So I've provided you with a, with a definition of grace, and so, uh, let me do likewise for, for mercy. You see, God's mercy is his act of compassion towards his creation. Uh, or put another way, God's, God's mercy seeks to relieve uh, suffering. And so uh, I hope you can see that mercy and grace are, are somewhat similar. However, you may have heard them uh, given a distinction as follows. The idea that mercy is not getting, sorry, mercy is when we do not get what we deserve, whereas grace is where we get what we do not deserve. <laughs> Let me say that again. Mercy is where we uh, do not get what we, de what we do deserve, but grace um, is where we get what we do not deserve. And so if we think about how this applies at, um, at the cross. Um, God extends rich mercy to us, so that the, the wrath of God that we deserve and the separation from God that we deserve and the death we deserve, all those are taken away. See, we do not get those things that we deserve and that's the mercy of God at work. But also we see the grace of God at work at the cross because uh, we receive a justification at the cross. We receive union with God and we receive life everlasting we receive all these things that we do not deserve, and that is grace. Um, in a sense, we can think of mercy and grace as, as two sides of a coin. Very similar, but there are, are differences and distinctions as well. Uh, and so if you're a Christian uh, listening to this this morning, then my challenge to you is, uh, do you truly believe uh, these realities? Uh, consider them deeply. Uh, do you dwell on them regularly? Uh, let these truths dwell in you this morning. We'll let them fill your heart and your mind. And let them increase your joy and your thankfulness to God, your Saviour. Uh, now, so far this morning, we've, we've looked at the most excellent example of God's grace and mercy, uh, that which was extended to us at the cross. However, uh, God's grace and mercy uh, are not limited at all to this one event, Indeed, they are foundations of his very character. Uh, and so to help us understand mercy and grace uh, further, we can look 
um, at them in action. And there's no better way to look at them in action than to look at the life of Jesus. Uh, John uh, chapter 1 verse 14 and 18 say the following. Uh, and the word became flesh, uh, the word uh, being Jesus, uh, and dwelt among us as we have seen and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then skipping down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the, o- the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. And so if we want to know what grace and mercy look like in action, practically we can do no better than to look at the life of Jesus. Uh, every kind of need and pain um, and suffering was, was met or was touched by Jesus through his mercy on his short number of years on earth. Uh, so let's look at some of these examples. Uh, uh, when a blind beggar cries out to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, he, uh, the, the beggar says, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, many people who are actually with Jesus, they were embarrassed, but instead Jesus, who is full of mercy and grace, he hears the man's, man's plea and he graciously answers them and restores his sight. And we can see a similar narrative in Luke chapter 17, where, where Jesus meets uh, 10 lepers. And, and again, they cry out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And again, Jesus shows pity and compassion, mercy, and he heals them. Uh, if we look to the, to the Gospel of Mark, we see an example of how Jesus extended mercy to a demon-possessed man. Uh, on this occasion, this man wasn't even able to request mercy, such was his miserable state. Uh, but we read that Jesus delivers him, and afterwards Jesus says the following to the man. He says, go home to your friends uh, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, again, we see that Jesus delivered this man out of his own mercy and compassion. Uh, uh, But Jesus' mercy, it was not just limited to those in a poor physical state. Uh, He also extended mercy to those who were poor uh, spiritually. Uh, We find many cases um, in the Gospels of Jesus eating and spending time with tax collectors. Uh, Tax collectors uh, being those who were I suppose in that, in that culture, being those who were deemed kind of the most morally uh, corrupt, they were deemed sinners more than anyone else. And so Jesus was often criticised uh, for spending time with these tax collectors and sinners. But on one occasion in Matthew, Jesus responds to, uh, to this criticism by saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You see, uh, Jesus knew that the tax uh, collectors Uh, were morally sick, but he demonstrates the Father's rich mercy uh, and grace towards sinners by eating with them and spending time with them. Uh, Similarly, perhaps, when a woman woman caught in adultery is is brought to Jesus, he extends love and grace to her when he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus shows mercy to sinners. Uh, Jesus also shows mercy to the spiritually weak. Um, In Mark's account of the the feeding of the 5,000, we read that uh, Jesus saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
and he began to teach them many things. You see, Jesus' mercy is extended uh, to those who are lacking spiritual wisdom as well. He has mercy on those too. Uh, those are just a, a short, really a short um, number of, a huge number of accounts that we, I could have spoken about um, in the Gospels where God's, or where Jesus' mercy is shown. Uh, Jesus is the, the perfect uh, incarnate image of the wealth of God's mercy. God is merciful to the blind, uh, to the sick, uh, to the sinful, and to the spiritually poor. And so whatever your situation is this morning, I want you to hear this truth, uh, that you can approach God's throne to receive mercy and grace. Indeed, we can and must hear the call um, of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Uh, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, uh, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy is found at the throne of God. I encourage you, come to that throne this morning. Uh, now we're going to spend um, a little time now just looking practically at what we should do in response to having received uh, mercy and grace from God. In the book of Romans, Paul says the following in, in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, uh, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And Jesus says uh, the following in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And so we've seen how Jesus was used as an instrument of God's mercy whilst he was on earth. And so we should follow our Saviour's example and do likewise. And so like Jesus, we can extend mercy to those who are sick. Uh, we can pray for them. We can, we can visit them uh, once lockdown rules um, allow that to happen. And, and we can help practically if they have been um, incapacitated in any way. And like Jesus, we can spend time with those who uh, society deems unworthy. Uh, perhaps for you that means uh, sp speaking to that work colleague who no one usually talks to. Or perhaps that means approaching uh, the parent um, at the school gate who often seems to stand alone. And like Jesus, we can, we can extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us, uh, knowing that God has forgiven us a far greater debt. Uh, indeed, we must surrender our bitterness um, and any desire for retribution to God and instead pursue mercy. Now, I, I appreciate that uh, for some of us, forgiveness and can be a, a very difficult and sensitive issue. And so uh, if that is you, um, then I'd encourage you to perhaps uh, seek prayer um, after the service or to speak to someone um, who you feel comfortable uh, speaking to about that. Because um, I know that can be um, yeah, difficult and sensitive for some people. But do take a second now 
and ask yourself a question. How can I extend mercy and grace to others? Uh, you know, we've looked at the example of Jesus uh, and we've, I've just shared a few examples of what that might look like today. And so I ask you, what, what is God bringing uh, to your mind this morning? Uh, I, I believe that God is asking us to step out and be his instrument of mercy to others. Uh, now, in, in the second half of this sermon series, uh, we've been looking at characteristics of God, which are not unique to God. You know, instead, they are characteristics which are perfected by God, but they are characteristics which we can exhibit and we are encouraged to grow in. You see, God is, is perfectly loving. He's perfectly just, good, holy and merciful. But we are also encouraged to, to grow in love, to grow in in, in our pursuit of justice and goodness and holiness. And, and the case is similar uh, when it comes to grace. Uh, however, there is something even more wonderful when it comes to grace and how practically it works out. Uh, and it is this. Uh, it's the fact that it is by God's grace that we are taught, strengthened and equipped to grow in love, justice, godliness, goodness, holiness and mercy. Or said another way, it is by grace, or grace is the means by which we can be. Uh, a couple of passages which um, I think show this. Uh, Titus uh, chapter 2, starting from verse 11, says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, uh, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Uh, or, or perhaps uh, 2, Timoth 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, uh, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in good, uh, in every good work. So please hear this, uh, the, the only way for us to grow in godly character is to do so via grace. Uh, you cannot do so in your own strength. Uh, but as these, uh, these Bible verses we've read so wonderfully reveal, uh, God has lavished abundant grace upon us, uh, which means that we can be taught how to renounce ungodliness by grace. Uh, grace actually, it, it teaches us to live self um, self-controlled, upright and godly lives. Uh, it's grace that can give us strength. And it's uh, through grace that means we have all sufficiency in all things and at all times so that we can pursue good works. So brothers and sisters, we, we must pursue grace in order to grow in godliness. Uh, really this, this kind of point, this topic requires a whole sermon uh, to itself. However, I will, I will leave you with just a, I suppose a brief summary of how I see this uh, working itself out in our lives. See, uh, firstly, I think that uh, being strengthened by grace uh, means that we walk in humility uh, before God, acknowledging that we are unable to grow in godliness in our own strength, but instead require God's help. Uh, 
And I think that a heart believes this truth is a heart that often and frequently turns to God in prayer. Uh, so when you're confronted with a need to grow in, in godliness, uh, do you seek God's help in prayer? Do you seek to be strengthened uh, to grow in godliness through prayer? Or do you instead decide to grit your teeth and you set out a plan according to your own strength? So I think, yeah, the, the first point is that to be strengthened by grace means that we have to walk humbly before God and seek his help through prayer. Uh, secondly, being trained by grace, I think means that our motivation for growing in godliness changes. You see, our, our motivation to live a holy, godly life is no longer to feel better about ourselves. Um, oh, sorry, or, or, and it's not to try and earn God's favour, because as we've seen, uh, salvation is, is purely a gift from God that we cannot earn. And so there's no need for us to try and feel better about ourselves or to try and earn God's favour. Those things don't work. Instead, our, our motivation for growing in godliness is that we want to pursue that in order to honour God. We know that when we sin, we actually blemish uh, the name of God and we hate to do that. And so uh, grace trains us uh, to pursue godliness because we, we love to honour God uh, through living godly lives. And thirdly, uh, we are equipped by grace uh, because we have a, a regenerated spirit because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. You see, God has graciously uh, given us um, uh, the gift of a helper, uh, the Holy Spirit, so that we have uh, the power through the Holy Spirit to live lives that honour and glorify God. So we should continually uh, seek uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we should continue to seek to walk in the power that the Holy Spirit provides as well. Yeah, so praise, praise be to God for his grace and mercy. Uh, in a moment, we're going to draw uh, the service to a close. However, there, there will be an opportunity for us to respond in prayer. And I think there's a sense in which that all of us need to respond in prayer. I think all of us, as we've seen, need to, uh, to turn to God again, to ask for an outpouring of his grace upon our lives, that we would then be strengthened, uh, taught and equipped uh, to grow in godliness, um, to grow in the ability to extend mercy and grace to others. And I will pray for us all uh, shortly. However, um, I'd, also, I'd also encourage you uh, to seek uh, and ask for individual prayer if that is something which is, has particularly spoken to you. Uh, or perhaps God has challenged you uh, this morning about uh, a need where you need to extend mercy uh, to other people. Or perhaps God is asking you this morning to extend forgiveness to someone else. Uh, if any of those things apply to you, then I'd, I'd really encourage you to seek uh, individual prayer, perhaps after the service. Uh, and to do so, all you, all you have to do is you, you can type prayer um, into the chat box on your Zoom account and you can send it uh, either, either to everybody or if, you, or if you prefer just to the Christ First account. And then when the service draws to a close, uh, you'll get put into a separate Zoom meeting room as it were and there'll be people from the prayer team who would love to pray with you and support you in your pursuit, um, wherever, whatever that might be. 
However, if, if you if you don't want to uh, seek individual prayer this morning, then again, there'll be an opportunity just to stay uh, logged on in this main meeting room. Uh, we'll, we'll turn all the cameras on and then you can uh, speak to each other and catch up as a whole church. Uh, so do do that as well. But let me, uh, let me pray uh, to finish. Yeah, Father God, I, I thank you for yeah, this morning for, for being with us, for, for speaking to us. And I, and I thank you for your rich mercy and grace. I thank you for your compassion uh, towards your creation. I thank you for your rich love, which you have poured out on us as a free gift, though we do not deserve it. We thank you, Lord. And, and I pray that you would uh, continue to teach us these things. Would you help us to grow in knowledge of them, that we would learn to adore and cherish and praise you for them. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, equip each one of us this morning as well with a, a greater outpouring of grace. That, um, yeah, you would strengthen us, that you would teach us and that you would equip us by your grace, that we would uh, live lives that honour you, uh, that glorify you. Help us to live lives which, uh, lives full of mercy and grace where we extend those to other people. I hear this prayer this morning and uh, yeah, I thank you for being with us. I pray you would bless each one of us as we uh, go our own ways this afternoon. Amen. <laughs>